Hello and welcome to Building Insights. I'm James Parker, editor of ADF Magazine. And today we're joined by Kevin Smith, director at Marquini Curran Associates, to tell us what makes the Nottingham-based practice a quiet success story. Hi, Kevin, how are you? Yeah, I'm pretty good, thanks, James, and thanks for the opportunity. Oh, you're absolutely welcome. Thanks for joining us. Um, so could you describe how you, you took on the role of managing the business uh, 18 months ago, I believe? Yeah, yeah. Well, we started talking about it with Practices founders, uh, Nick Marchini and Des Curran, back in 2019. Uh, Nick was really wanted to take a step back it, into retirement, uh, and he's worked hard for it. Um, so myself and two senior colleagues, uh, Andrew Bull and Justin Ziegler, uh, we started talking with them about how a management buyout might work. And of course, things got stalled a bit by COVID, but it gave us a chance to get a better grip on the idea. Uh, we managed the business together, though, with each of us tending to deal with particular elements whilst also trying to carry on the day job. And how have you found being located in Nottingham? Uh, well, where else would anyone want to be? Absolutely. Uh, it's conveniently central. Uh, which means we can service projects anywhere. Uh, London's pretty accessible. We don't have the overheads that a practice would have in a capital. Uh, but equally, we can get to Oxford, Cambridge, plenty of other places in the same sort of time. Um, I uh, previously worked in Nottingham at uh, Lewis and Hickey Architects for nine years, um, and sort of rose up through the ranks there. And prior to that, I'd been I'd, I'd had a little stint working in New Zealand for three years, which was uh, you know fantastic. Um, but um, I'm, I'm I'm originally from Yorkshire, so um, you know I've sort of come down here, um, down south for me. There's an awful lot of opportunity uh, both in the city and um, yeah, I mean certainly in the East, in the East Midlands uh, more broadly. There's a whole wealth of opportunity out towards Lincoln. Um, you know, quite a lot of that's untapped. Uh, and then down through Cambridge and, um, you know, sort of in towards Norfolk as well. So what were the, the early challenges um, following the, the management buyout? Well, it's been challenging for me, for us, taking over the mantle of management from the guys with their names over the door. And equally, it's been a challenge for them too. We get in there, but we've made a conscious effort to start pushing the value of the brand, building on the heritage. But to do that, it's important to build the team. Uh, to evolve those shared values. Um, whilst working at home has opened everyone's eyes to the possibilities of remote access, and we've been able to offer flexibility to our staff, it's hard to rebuild and to evolve a team culture. You've got challenges in just building that elusive culture. You've, re you've refined what you're doing as well, and that's a, a challenge as well as a, as a positive, right? You're now architects and interior designers. Correct. The interiors arm has always been a part of the company with in, interior fit outs and, um, you know, the work we've done on, on retail in particular, really having an interiors focus. Um, the decision to uh, to set up a separate offering as uh, Marquini Curry Interiors was actually to pursue more sort of standalone opportunities where perhaps having a separate entity um, would allow us to pitch for work that we weren't necessarily involved in as, as architects. Um, and that's actually been successful on a couple of fronts, most notably uh, work we were doing um, last year and that we've got um, coming up with uh, Mayfield, part of the Audley Group. 
in terms of your key specialisms now, in terms of sectors, do you have staff that head those up? Justin's been working with one of our associates, uh, Nathan, in delivering planning for the remodelling of a large shopping centre in the centre of Oxford. And whilst the proposed uses cross a number of sectors, student accommodation, retail, office, uh, and even some laboratory space for the university, uh, the master planning, phasing, reinterpretation of what was effectively becoming a defunct building, uh, that's a specialism in itself. Um, and I, I think there's, uh, there's there's a lot of similar properties uh, up and down the country that uh, need a bit of uh, re- reinvention, really. As we perhaps look more and more at reuse and retrofit for sustainability, as well as other reasons. Absolutely, yeah. Um, you know, reusing, well, certainly the existing superstructure has, has been a, a very important part. Um, you know, and it's, it's got its constraints, but working around those is, is part of what we bring to it. And it's, you know, it's a voyage of discovery. Everything from not having the original information to uh, to draw on through to uh, actually finding it wasn't built that way in the, in the first place. I think moving more in towards how we deal with uh, you know reusing uh, those those spaces and those spaces that have become part of the uh, I suppose the infrastructure at town centres. You know how how we can reinvent them and breathe new life into them. We can bring those learnings to to a lot of other opportunities. Alongside that, um, my, my co-director, Andrew, with our other associate, BGL, they've been growing our portfolio of data centres, uh, which are in high demand, and we're keeping at the forefront of innovation there, uh, with the obvious sustainability challenges that these buildings give. We're working on the scheme at the moment. It's part of a campus development uh, where there are uh, there are residential units. There are you know, there's obviously the infrastructure that supports that. Um, but it's, it's a sort of a, a live work campus. The data need moving forward is 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 huge. A lot of research facilities, uh, and so the intention is to uh, link in the heat outputs from the data center into an ambient loop, where that feeds into the uh, the heating needs. On our interior design front, Anthony particularly has been pushing further into the tech and life sciences sectors uh, with work that we've we've done in Cambridge in the past with with companies like Arm Holdings, uh, more recently companies like Abcam who uh, specialise in, in in life sciences. Whilst uh, Chris has successfully delivered a whole new concept in retirement living uh, for Mayfield at their first village in Watford, even hanging the artwork on the on the walls. Couldn't get more different than those two sectors, I guess. How do you actively encourage and support younger architects or aspiring architects? We support junior staff through their architectural qualifications. Uh, we encourage staff to get involved with teaching programs. Uh, one of our staff, Suki, for instance, he works part time at Loughborough University as a, as a lecturer. And uh, we promote the profession through careers fairs, for example. One, one of the other aspects of that is in getting internationally qualified staff. One of my colleagues here, Sarah, uh, just ran this weekend a, a workshop 
Um, she originally was uh, she qualified in Morocco. You know, she's she's been through the prescribed route and qualified as an architect in, in the UK, and um, has brought some of that experience and learnings to um, to present to, um, to to other people who might be going through a similar process. How would you describe the approach to working with clients? Uh, proactive or reactive? We we try and be as proactive as possible, but architecture is about listening and responding and being a good listener is as much about getting somebody to tell you what you need to hear uh something they might not even know how to say architecture is a way of solving problems but just probably defining the problems can be a challenge as much as finding a solution and each job needs a different approach give you an example we we you know one of the more intellectually stimulating uh, projects that, that that I've been involved in has been work we've been doing on a proposal for a, uh, the UK's first Hindu-specific, uh, faith-specific crematorium, and um, defining the problem, uh, defining exactly what needs to be different, understanding the compromises that the Hindus feel that they face, uh, and why there's even a need for something different. You know, it's been useful being able to look in from the outside. And, and analyze the problem without thinking that we already knew what the answer was. The architecture really has to just provide a, a setting, and it's a setting for uh, the ceremonies that are going to take place within. You know, what, what we've done is effectively create uh, spaces within the woodland, and we've actually extended the woodland out to, to create these, these sort of copses where, where, where the spaces exist. So... Um, you know, trying to sort of minimise the, the views of, of, of what you actually see of the building. Um, it's more an experiential thing than, you know, sort of a grand edifice. Is there a design signature that runs across your projects, do you think? I wouldn't really say we've got a house style and certainly we don't stamp it on our projects. Uh, often it'll be junior staff who share ideas with us, influence the look and feel of a scheme. Um I think generally we'll, we'll lean towards the clean and unfussy, but equally, you know, if there's a need for opulence and grandeur, we'll go all out. Do you find achieving higher levels of sustainability a very onerous challenge in, in markets you're dealing with at the moment? I mean, it's, it's certainly a challenge. Uh, like a lot of other factors, it's, it's affecting costs. Uh, but we're finding that some clients are beginning to demand more. Uh, and particularly where it affects their own ability to secure tenants, for example, coming all the way back to um, back to the drawing board and um, and at pre-planning stage, it's becoming more and more important to assess. And you know, going back to what we were talking about earlier regarding the the reuse of, of buildings, um, you know, where we where we can minimise that impact that, that that use of uh, you know huge volumes of steel and concrete you know it's it, it, it's you know it's something we we need to be more conscious of what does the the future look like for Marquini Curran and which areas do you particularly see the practice growing into well we'd like to build on the heritage and past successes of course but certainly the exposure to working on Cultural projects gives us sort of spiritual foil to the more process-driven work that uh, we do in other sectors. So it'd be great to achieve something of a balance there, and perhaps to look to get more of our thinking, our research into the public realm by publishing more. 
I'm already encouraging staff to get their thoughts on the paper uh, as we've got a wealth of expertise that we really want to share. I think right now it feels like the expected rush of post-pandemic development is being held back by an economic headwind. So one can't be too selective about opportunities. Thankfully, we've got enough of a spread of experience not to feel too reliant in any one area. But I think one of the areas we're pushing where we have an enviable track record and where I see things starting to move already is in refurbishing commercial office space as the return to work starts to gather more pace. People are meant to be together, to work together and to occupy spaces together. And that's what we're all about is creating spaces for people. Well, thank you very much, Kevin. And um, really look forward to being able to share more of what you're doing as you continue to make inroads in a variety of interesting sectors so thank you oh, james thank you very much 